0: back
1: to the first lesson material if you will in your booklet in that booklet i listed six different um attitudes or viewpoints that uh, one can have towards uh, the bible and i assure you that all of us here hold one of those viewpoints or one of those perspectives and so i was going to ask you if um any one attitude or any one of those viewpoints just um, jumped out at you when you looked at this material.
2: Rationalism.
1: Rationalism. Why did that one jump out at you? Oh,
2: because it's so easy. <laughs> it's uh, I feel I think I you know that's kind of where we are today.
3: Yeah, it's, again,
1: rationalism is pretty predominant in the world today, and it's a growing thing among what I call the millennialists that we we have in our society. The one that jumped out at me the most was Romanism, um, simply because the Roman Catholic Church has a significant influence on the world, and and the Romanism thought there is that only the Catholic Church is... um, is both the the channel for revelation of God's Word and is the final authority of what the Bible has to say. You, as a laity, as a member of the Roman Catholic Church, you are not smart enough to read and come to a full understanding of God's Word. I mean, that's what they believe. And unfortunately, that's what the membership of the Roman Catholic Church believes too, that they're not smart enough to read. God's Word. I I remember when I was um, a supervisor in, in Wichita, Kansas, A lot, all my employees knew I was a Christian and that I would teach and preach at, at the church that I worshipped at, but one of the guys came up to me, and he was Catholic, and he was telling me, and hey, we're doing a Bible study. I was absolutely floored that some Catholics were getting together on their own <laughs> and having a, a, a Bible study. So... I, I told him, was pleased with that idea. Mysticism. Yeah. I, I, that gave
2: a whole new meaning to that
0: word to me. Mysticism. Um. Yeah.
1: And there's a lot of people that it's it's one of those things like well, if I feel it, I feel it. But you know, if I don't feel it, then yeah. yeah.
2: um, In my neighborhood at the time they said they were going to have a Bible class in the Catholic
0: Church. that is
2: great! I am glad to hear that! Well, what it amounted to was the priest stood before them and talked about the different ages and all kinds of things that wasn't the Bible. It might have been historical or something like this. But
0: it wasn't delving into God's word. word. Actually, um, it's funny you should mention that. I got a text yesterday from one of my friends, and um, she was texting me because she was concerned about something that uh, her daughter, who was going to a private Catholic school, they gave her a passage to it. And um, the passage I gave her to read was out of Acts fifteen, but I don't know what translation they were using. But they made it so complicated, like all the words that they used were like instead of using elders, they used presbyter and just like you know, like everything was the most complicated word that they could use, and it's and her child is in grade so you know. Like, there's no way that they could understand it. Like, I read it, and I and I knew the passage. But from reading that, it's like, you I was were confused. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Interesting. Um, was there any one of those attitudes or viewpoints that was new to you that you had never given consideration to? And the reason I list these is because when we're out in the world talking to people and have the opportunity to talk Bible, you're going
3: to encounter these viewpoints or attitudes towards the Bible. The one that you've got in here of neo-orthodoxy. When you look at the uh, so-called study Bibles that are so prolific out there today, that is the basis of the study Bible. And when you come to to Acts 2.38 or Matthew 28, uh, 19, 20, 21, and it says specifically baptism, and they say, well, that's what it says, but that's not what it means. And when you look at the individuals that'll read uh to you Ephesians 2, verse 8, you're saved by grace through faith and ignore verse 10. And you know, the only honest one you can see of the whole thing is Thomas Jefferson, who took six different copies of the Bible and cut out the passages that he wanted to believe and lived by and pasted them in a separate one and threw the rest away. And people that take James chapter 2 and tear it out of their scriptures. Yeah. I that, call is, that, that is present today.
1: It is. I call that penknife <coughs> religion. I remember a preacher years ago literally pulling out a penknife, of course, I didn't know what he was up to, but it, he would cut something out and just kind of crunch it up and throw it away as he was reading. Well, he had tissue paper up there that he was <laughs> doing that with, but I thought he was literally carving the scripture out of his Bible and to make the point. But we do live right here in Phoenix in a neo-orthodoxy world uh, with the heavy influence that we have of Mormonism. So, <clears throat> so the question is, and I'm not going to ask you, each of you, is you've got to look at those and determine what viewpoint or attitude you have towards uh, the Bible. Because I assure you, as I said, we all hold one of those viewpoints or one of those attitudes um, uh, that are presented there.
0: Well, and I think it's a, it's a really nice way to see them all kind of out like this. Because I think so often people don't really know what category they fall into. Yeah. And so if you have it out on paper, you're like, well, I don't know if I really think of it that way. You can g- start some conversations of, well,
2: do you think that the Bible is the Word of God, or do you think that with the neo-orthodoxy,
0: um, it contains the Word of God, but I'm going to interpret it the way I want. Right. And I think that's a really important distinction when you're having conversations with people. you got to kind of start at, you at least got to know where they're starting from so you can at least meet them and say, okay, well, then let's have this conversation instead of,
1: something else. Because if they're not taking the whole scripture, coming at them with different
0: scriptures isn't going to really be helpful. You have to kind of scoot back a little bit on the inspiration of God.
1: Yeah, and, and hold there, Paul, because in, in the lessons that I've got coming up, we're going to talk about interpretation, our personal interpretation, not the interpre- not what has brought us interpretations of God's Word, but how we per- personally interpret it. But, yeah, you know, these viewpoints and attitudes definitely have an influence <coughs> on how we interpret God's Word. So, any other thoughts about that? Anybody want to share anything there?
2: You know, there's, there's some um, religions that blend a lot of these two. So, you know, for example, you know, we've mentioned, like, the you, you know, the Mormonism, but there's elements of mysticism with whether it's this one person was given an extra re- revelation or... Um, even the Neo-Orthodoxy, where they'll point to, well, the Bible's corrupted because certain things were right, but other things, you know, uh, weren't. And you also see that sometimes with, like, the Islamic faith. They they say that the New Testament was, uh, it's not reliable today. So sometimes there's a, a mixture of these things, depending on what group what you might be talking about. They may not just adhere to one of these things, but it's a blending of, of a lot of these different things that cause you to, that they want to make you question different aspects.
1: Yeah. And that's a good point, too. There probably is some blending going yeah. on. I think it's important, though, that we have a, a proper attitude and viewpoint of God's Word so that we have, as a result of that, correct understanding of both the nature and the purpose of God's Word. So, in every everyday conversation, uh, we use words to communicate to one another. God chose the same communication style um, and expressed himself in words which we have today (laughs) as the Bible. And we should take God's word very, very, very seriously. Um, The the Bible makes it clear that God's word is, is capable of far more than we can accomplish ourselves but it's still within ourselves to accomplish things, but this gives us the guidance of basically how to do those kinds of things. And it does the work that truly only God uh, can do. Since the Bible is communication from God, I'm gonna ask you about communication. What is the purpose of communication? Pass on knowledge. Pass
2: on knowledge. Understanding.
1: Understanding.
2: Instruction.
1: Instruction. Let me ask you this. If we were to start a game in here called the grapevine, have you all heard that? And if I started it over here with Tom, and it made it all the way back there in that corner with a message that I give to Tom, okay, and by the time it went through all of us, What's the chances that it's going to be 100% the same as it gets back to that corner? It'll be more like 0%. 0%,
2: yeah.
1: It will not not get there. So if the purpose of communication is to uh, get a specific message from a speaker or a writer to a listener or a reader, what does that say about the possibility of what communication can do? It can fail, and when it fails, we call that what? Miscommunication. (laughs) Miscommunication, Um, and and an example of that is the the game of of grapevine, where um, you know it can start with the correct message, but it doesn't. It probably get corrupted. For sure, by the time it reached Caleb. <laughs> and we started right there. It would get corrupted by me.
3: It would.
1: God is the speaker that makes us what?
2: Listener.
1: The listener. We're the listener. And I can tell you that's not one of my great values. I mean, I am, as Peggy. <laughs> I am not a, a great listener. I, I have to strive real hard to be a good listener. But I can read, and I can uh, listen in my mind, I think, better with reading something than I can verbally with something that was uh, provided to me. It's just my nature. And maybe you're like that, but maybe you're a great listener. And if you are, consider you got a, a fine gift there. Um, God has a specific message uh, that He intends to communicate to mankind. Where would we be as a society without this? Chaotic.
2: Chaotic.
1: You had a verse in your lesson this morning that was taken from early on that God saw what? Evil. The intent was evil in God. Every man's heart. Did that society at that time have any element of this? Mm-hmm. They did. So that should tell us that, with this absent, what kind of world would we have?
2: And the outcome, when there was nothing but evil, God said that's it. He
1: wanted to destroy yeah. the world as a result of what he saw and, and, and observed. He couldn't have it. I remember the first time I really comprehended that, I, sh- I shuddered. I thought, whoa, that's serious. That God would be so disappoint- so disappointed with his creation and he was willing to wipe it out and try to start all over again. Well, I think a good reference
3: would be, um, I like a better, more uh, current reference would be the Romans and the Roman Empire. So that's a good example of, a civilization that was very high, very intelligent, very advanced. But at the same time, um, they didn't have a, a spiritual side to. I mean, they did, but it was. It was displaced. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the truth. And so, I mean, you, you saw how their society just kind of crumbled because they
0: couldn't maintain it without um, the truth. Yes. Yeah.
1: Another comment?
0: Oh, I was just going to say, uh, God was so mad at the Israelites that he wanted to destroy all of them, and Moses talked him out of it,
1: pleaded with him. Has this had a good influence? Even though it's not accepted by everybody in the world, has this had an influence yes. on the world? It used to be, I, think it had, I think I think it has. Civilizing. <coughs> Civilizing. What we consider civilized or civilization, <laughs> I'm not <sure> <laughs> yeah.
3: Don, yeah. uh, with one of these things of, of communication and understanding, we un- one of the things that uh, about communication is you have to have a common core of symbols to transfer thoughts from one mind to another, and those symbols have got to be identical, or you have mis- misunderstanding. Also, is the complete nature. And the Ethiopian eunuch is a prime example. He is reading Isaiah 53, what we have in Isaiah 53. And no understanding of who this could be or what, why this was and what the outcome is going to be until along comes Philip who completes the story. And it's that, that complete story that we have in the Scriptures now which was lacking for so many centuries before. There is an understanding that that God is and that he has created, which should be inherent in everyone, but as far as what is required of everyone, that changed through time. And now to us, (coughs) we have a complete picture of the why and the how and how it all came about and the what specifically we are to do with it in that but you can't just open it up and read one chapter and find out that whole story. You got to take the whole thing.
1: You do, and I think that tells me that in today's times, there's a lot more responsibility that falls yes. upon my shoulders as a result of this
3: compilation. Uh, comment back there. Did I see somebody had a hand up, Jason? You were asking how it has impacted us. I mean, even even though we try to separate ourselves from it as much as possible, our very, uh, the very basis for our laws it is, is yeah. based on biblical principles, and that goes all the way back, you know, where did they get? Not, not murder. But, you know, it's funny, whenever I very first became a police officer, it was still in the books that it was illegal to cohabitate and to commit adultery, on Arizona law books, shortly after I... It, it, they, we never arrested for it, of course, I mean, you'd be blasted all over the news, but it was actually still on the law books that it was illegal. Hmm. I loved it, and then all of a sudden, got. No, it was gone. But uh, <laughs> you know, just to show how it impacts our laws. Yeah.
1: And if, if I know anything about history, though, there's cycles. <laughs> you know, it. We've gone to the bottom, and we come back up to the top, and we go to the bottom, we come back to the top. And so, I don't know where we are now. I, I think we're headed for the Close bottom line. once again. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we're, we're moving toward an understanding of society now that what you have in the scripture is things and stories that came from Hammurabi and Gilgamesh and maybe even a little bit of Confucius thrown in you know rather than being inspired by God here are all these other examples that we have found through archaeology and history going back to 500 to 1500 BC that they are taking as more solid evidence of how we came to our government than what the Scripture is. And it, it's amazing.
1: It is amazing. And, and I agree wholeheartedly with your lesson this morning, Jason, because I have shared this with before. This is a great tool. But I firmly and honestly believe it is a bane to our society's future. No ands, ifs, or buts about it. Yeah. Um, because of what one can access and get to see and read, come to believe and adopt in their own mind and their own heart.
2: I remember once somebody told me, you know, we've been talking about how this is an influence. Somebody once told me that on every admiral's and general's desk are two books, all of them. One is The Art of War by Sun Tzu, and the other one's Bible. And those are their two major reference books for strategies for how they can, you know, deal with things. And just the fact that knowing full well that not every general or admiral is a a member of the church. Most aren't. But that they actually have the book and they go to the book, you know, as a reference for who knows what they're going for a reference for. But that it's there and it's a part of what they do. They didn't just start it when they became an admiral. That's been following them all the way through. So, you know, it's still there. The it, influence it, is there. It's just, it is there. we have to, we need to be the ones that are saying, okay, we need to push our influence a little more so that other people are seeing it so that they then go, oh, yeah, okay. You
1: know. Good point. Being in the military yeah. and spending a the career there, um, they have lost. Different laws than the Uniform Court of Military Justice. You once you become a military member, you fall under that those laws. And I can tell you those laws, in my opinion, now still are far more strict than some of the laws that we have within within our land. So they're in a book that's only
3: that thick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean it's it's I'm grateful that it's that it's there. Um, so about it, and I know Mitch has gone over this, the idea that this is a a, a collection of many uh, different writings. It was written at least by 39 different people over a period of 1,600 years, and yet there is this cohesiveness of the message that's contained. If you think about that, that should blow your mind. It really should blow our mind. Um, and despite the number of human writers that the Word of God was transmitted through, it at least didn't end up like the game of the grapevine <laughs> would end up if we were to conduct it in this in this room today. Um, we must, we have to believe that God is the author of the entire Bible. No ands, ifs, or buts about it. There were in lesson two. Seven means that the word of God was transmitted. Right there on page one of inspiration lesson two. And those are the, the direct audible voice of God, angels, prophets, Apostles, select people, Jesus, and uh, writers, and I got scriptural um, basis for showing you how those different seven methods were used. Did any of, any of those surprise anybody here? <coughs> you know what. God had Moses on that mount and told him to the Ten Commandments. Do you think it was just? How do you think that came about? What do you think occurred on that mountain
2: God talked
1: to him. God talked to him directly. Directly. Yeah. It was a voice. You heard it, and and subsequently um, a record was made of. Of that conversation and so much so that Moses was so close to God that when he came down from that mountain Mm -hmm. what did he look like there was there was something different about an appearance of Moses was something different because of of that audience that that he had well that's really cool (laughs) there are in that same lesson material on the second page you know sometimes people think well the Old Testament has I don't know how many times I've heard Old Testament has no applicability today so why even study it Um, yes we're not confined to fulfill the requirements that are levied out there in the Old Testament, but what does the Old Testament really do for us?
2: It sets the stage. Hmm? It sets the stage of Christ. It
1: does set the stage for Christ.
0: The Old Testament confirms the New Testament.
1: It confirms the the New Testament.
2: I think it teaches us the character of God.
1: That's the one I like. Because if you really want to know something about who and what God is, that is the testament that you go to, to find out about God. Everybody wants to think God is old. There's another side to God that you need to see, and you don't see that unless you go to the Old Testament. She's so nice. Did she... <laughs> <laughs> all well, that's she good. Them
2: the, them two up up. Are, the two of you are one. <laughs> are. <laughs>
1: Any other uh, thoughts there?
2: Foundation.
1: Hmm? It's a foundation. It's a foundation. But you know, I, I shared with you here that someone else put their stamp of approval on the Old Testament, and who was that? Was Jesus. Jesus, and um, and so by him putting the. One cannot accept Christ and then deny the Old Testament because Jesus in his teachings put his stamp of approval on there. Look at, look at, let's just look at those. Is a stamp of approval on the creation of Adam and Eve. Matthew 19 and verse 4. What does that tell us? Why would he put a stamp of approval on the creation of Adam and Eve? It's true.
0: He was there.
2: He
0: was there.
1: He was there. He's the one that created it.
2: Why would he deny something
1: that he was directly involved in? His stamp of approval on the destruction of the flood in Noah's time. A lot of people want to disbelieve that Noah's story and account is just pure fantasy. Well. He brought the rain. Yeah, he knows it was true, and so he he shows that in Luke chapter seventeen and verse twenty-seven. And if you haven't had a chance to to compare these verses that I list there with these seven or with these uh, stamps of approval, please, please do that. The fact that he gave a stamp of approval on the the provision of manna while Israel was out there wandering (coughs) in the wilderness. as shown there in, in um, John chapter six, the fact that He gives accountability for Jonah and the great fish. There's another one that a lot of people think that is pure fiction. That's just hogwash that a man would be swallowed up by a. Everybody likes to think it's a whale, <laughs> and then <laughs> spit out on shore. But Jesus says, <coughs> "Did." it did take place so he's taken already with just those few things that we've shown there he's taken very significant events recorded in the Old Testament and has put his stamp and seal of approval that these things did in fact happen and that the account in the Old Testament of those things is false right
2: like your no it's all true I like your sentence on
1: that page. yeah well that w- that's definitely my summation of what we're looking at that if you're fighting you're, very you're, few words. yeah if you're fighting in a lost cause if you try to interpret the Bible without a firm conviction a firm conviction that this is a and inspired. As Randy
2: right, was saying, it's not
1: complicated. It's not complicated. It and he said, Oh, you're kicking against the goat. You're kicking against the goat. You know, and, and, and I have, I've got well have passed, And I can tell you, when you first start trying to dive in and take this, it's not easy. It is not easy. Okay? But are you alone? And having to do that what's one of the primary purposes of our assembly coming together on Sunday in the Wednesday 90s and yeah, encouragement and to help understand to come to an understanding and conviction that this truly is an inspired piece well I hope you at least will read uh, the and before you leave please grab up uh, the material that Rick has prepared you for the next lesson on Wednesday night.